Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Hi, everybody. Italian Wine Podcast celebrates its fourth anniversary this year, and we all love the great content they put out every day. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People has become a big part of our day, and the team in Verona needs to feel our love. Producing the show is not easy, folks. Hurting all those hosts, getting the interviews, dropping the clubhouse recordings, not to mention editing all the material. Let's give them a tangible fan hug with a contribution to all their costs. Head to ItalianWinePodcast.com and click Donate to show your love. Welcome to Italian Wine Clubhouse. My name is Joy Livingston. This clubhouse room, Italian Wine Club, happens every Thursday at 8 p.m. And I am here with Laika, so she will let me know if I forget anything. Stevie, yay! Hi, hi, hi. How are you? I'm here actually with Stevie Ray. Joy, take it away. Ciao, Roberto. And congratulations, Ciro Pirone. Yes! Ciao. Ciao. Okay, so um, let me just uh, start by saying that, you know, the idea behind Ambassadors Corner is to give Italian wine ambassadors and wine lovers the opportunity to interview their favorite producers. And interviewees can ask producers questions to their heart's content. And then at the end of the discussion, listeners will be given a chance to ask questions and participate in the discussion. If you are an Italian wine ambassador in any way, this could be just a hardcore wine lover, and you have always wanted to interview a producer here in Italy, uh, you can always just contact Laika uh, through social media, uh, like uh, at Ita Wine Podcast, or go to www.italianwinepodcast.com. And this session is recorded. Uh, and it will be released in uh, on the Italian Wine Podcast uh, probably uh, on a Thursday, in the coming Thursdays. Uh, this is to reach more listeners, especially for those who can't participate because they're in some weird place around the world, time zone. So let me, uh, <laughs> let me briefly introduce our guest host for this evening. He is uh, going to be, okay, his name is Ciro Pirone, and he will be interviewing Roberto Di Meo, and I will let him go ahead and introduce Roberto um, when he's about to conduct his interview, but um, Ciro, he is the director of Italian Wines for Horizon Beverage Company and a Vinitali International Academy Italian Wine Ambassador. He grew up here in Italy, we're in Verona, of course, as you all possibly know, and he has worked and traveled through England, Italy, and the U.S., and he's been based in the U.S. since 1999 and completed wine studies at Boston University, International Sommelier Guild, WSET, Wine Scholar Guild, North American Sommelier Association, and I'm sure there's more, <laughs> but I'm going to say welcome, Chiro. Thank you, Joy. Thank you, Stevie, Laika, and obviously Roberto for being here. 
Before I get going with the questions, obviously I want to introduce Roberto Di Meo for people who are not familiar with him. He's the co-owner of Azienda Agricola Di Meo, as well as being the president of Astroenology for Campania, also a member of the board of directors of Astroenology and Presidential Committee, and a wine consultant, and in 1986, together with his brothers, he founded Di Meo Winery in the heart of Irpinia, specifically in the production area of Fiano di Avellino. He is the enologist for the winery, as well as the sales director, and since the early 2000s, he's been conducting a variety of experimental projects in the area, more specifically aimed at the refinery of European white grape varieties, such as Fiano and Greco, most importantly. Today, this production is called Linea del Tempo di Meo. Together with his brother, Generoso, for around 20 years, he's been an ambassador for the combination of art, photography, and wine in Irpinia which is also something I found, I found very, very fascinating. And together they've developed a, a sort of calendar which we'll also talk about. So, Roberto, how are you? Welcome, and are you ready? Yes, Chiro, I am ready. Wonderful. So, so the first question I wanted to ask you is an introductory question so that we can all get familiarized with the, the region you're in. Can you please give us an introduction in your own words, this very special place, at least to me, called Irpinia, and what everybody should know about it. Okay, Giro, I'm, I'm sorry for all this, because uh, my English is a, a, is a pizza and mandolino style, right? and uh, I'm sorry for this. Um, let, let's start with, with some numbers. About uh, 2,000 hectares dedicated to one produce uh, a, a little less than uh, uh, 250 bottling companies, 1,000 of wine growers, uh, three EOCG wines, to, uh, uh, which is added a, a large provincial EOP, uh, for a total of about 30 certified types, uh, and a little more than 275,000 so we wine producer. These are, in a short, the number that tell the Irpinia wine. Uh, most of the farm in this territory is, uh, are, are very small, uh, the vast majority of which are a production of less of 50,000 bottles per year. Historically, they give their grapes to the bottlers. Uh, the varietal picture is extremely compiled, a typical feature of the Campania region. Among the, 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 the red barrier grapes, Aglianico dominates, uh, sometimes uh, flanked by Piedirosso, Chascinoso, uh, Sangiovese, Mantonico, as is typical uh, of, of our region, with marginal space for international grapes such as Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot. Fiano uh, and Greco, as you tell, uh, are the group leaders for the wide variety varieties. In the last year, the, the plots uh, cultivated with Foxtay, Falangina yeah, and other rare cultivars such as uh, Greco Musk have a, have a, a significant uh, in Increase. Uh, this is this is the more more uh, uh, 
decision about the, 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 our, uh, our uh, region, our territory. Yes, actually your answer made it quite clear. It answers why there are, n there are more wineries out there, because there are several, but they're small in size, and overall production is very small, and the wineries tend to be quite small, but the quality overall is always very high, in my opinion. I think you're really fortunate to work with the Pinius native grapes, as you mentioned, Greco, Fiano, and Iannico, and a lot more. When it comes to the actual cellar and the vinification aspect, what are the kind of yeasts that you use and the process of aging? Is that concrete, stainless steel, old barrels? What is your approach? Uh, I, I use both. Uh, I use commercial yeast tested seeds, uh, which are absolutely respected, the, the varietal aspect of the different grape varieties. And uh, an active yeast selected in my wine arts collaboration with the University of, of Portici. Uh, for aging, I, I absolutely prefer steel, and uh, I make limited use of wood, uh, preferring large wood, uh, so I, 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 do, I do not use barrack, uh, for, for instance. Yes, that's actually fairly traditional as far as the use of partial wood, concrete and stainless steel. That's great because it keeps the purity of the wines. Of course, the next question is about grapes. Greco from Tufo, specifically, you have vineyards here in two specific towns, Santa Paulina and the other is Montefusco. Can you tell us what best defines the specific territories and the two different wines as you produce two very different Greco di Tufos from there? Okay, okay, so, you know, the, the, the Greco di Tufo area is the, is the smallest in terms of geographical extension, but also the, the largest in terms of volume of wine produced. It spreads over eight uh, municipalities, uh, entirely among the steep sales of the Valle del Sabato, where up to the beginning of the 19th century, there is, was one of the, the most important sulfur mining center, uh, old center of, of the south of Italy. Um, Netto pedoclimatic condition, uh, which are very different areas from area. In Montefusco, we are uh, winers at the altitude of 750 meters, planted in uh, 1998, with clay calcareous soils and uh, northeast exposure. Um, the planting density is uh, 3,500 wines per hectare, and the yields is uh, of uh, 50 quintals. Uh, uh, in Santa Paulina, instead uh, at the altitude of uh, 108 meters, uh, 408 meters, uh, we have a, a, a more varied soil, um, even if it is mainly calcareous clay. Uh, the, the, in, in this area, the winery was planted uh, in 2007 uh, with northwest exposure. We also have a 
and yield on 70 quintals and uh, a planting density of uh, 4,000 wines per hectare. This difference, I think, that play a, a remarkable role on characteristic of grapes uh, of the two Greco wines, uh, which are also above all different from what concern aging of, the, of my production. That's uh, quite fascinating. Obviously, so it sounds like the two sites are quite uh, different elevation-wise, exposure-wise. Yeah. And, and I would assume maybe Montefusco is the one that is a bit more higher in acid and uh, maybe more cooler temperatures overall due to the elevation, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, sure. That's great. Uh, so Fiano, Fiano is probably my um, most favorite, I would say, as far as grape uh, from Campania, um, although there's a lot, lot of many great things. But um, I, I really found actually quite interesting doing some research that you produce four different bottlings of Fiano di Avellino. So practically you make a, a, a regular you know, Fiano di Avellino DOCG bottling, then you make a three single labels, one being Erminia, the other one called Le Cherry, and the fourth one called Alessandra. Um, now, what is the main, is, or, or actually, is the main distinction between one another given maybe by the actual rootstock of the vines or the clone slash biotype selection that you use, or is it more, or are they more the product of a zoning? Okay, okay. I, I think they both play an important role. Uh, uh, with, a, with a lot of patients, uh, it's possible to get a very high variety both in the wineries and in the winery. So, so I think it is possible to obtain a very different result in, in terms of, of final product. This is certainly one of the aspects I am most passionate and winemaker. In order to, to do this, uh, it's necessary to, to study very deeply the, the, the territory and uh, to have the possibility to isolate crews, to parcel out and keep preserves. And uh, sure, it does take a, a lot, a lot, a lot of effort. Uh, oh, I can imagine. What, so what are the names of the wines? Are they dedicated to somebody specifically? Is there a meaning behind? I assume there is. The name of the, the wine is related to, to family. Huh? Okay. The, 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 the passion is related all, all to, the, to the family. And the name uh, is the name of my son, of my daughter, and my, my sister. And uh, only called the Sherry is a specific name uh, related to, uh, to, to uh, the typical plants of the territory. I see. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, makes sense. Um, so now you gave me when I was at uh, when we met in Verona, anyway. Um, you gave me a bottle of your Fiano di Avellino, the DOCG. It was the 2019. I remember because I brought it back and then eventually I opened it, and uh, I feel like I was really fortunate to taste the wine and uh, I found the bottle to be truly inspirational. Uh, and I do suggest everybody. If you have the opportunity to, to put your hands on one of Roberto's bottles, again, I haven't had much experience personally, but that one bottle truly opened my eyes and my taste buds and my mind to what is the incredible potential of, in that case, Fiano di Avellino, but I'm sure it's true also for Greco and Yannico that you produce, because I felt there was so much, I mean, a level of complexity 
the mouth of the wine was just explosive. I was truly wowed by it. Uh, but at the same time, I found uh, quite a bit of a, you know, uh, balance of, with the elegance. The wine is truly, truly magical. So as a winemaker, I know it's probably not an easy question to answer or probably very easy on your end, but how do you accomplish that? To have both great complexity, mouthfeel, incredible longevity, and at the same time, elegance and finesse. Oh, sure. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And the, this, I think this complexity is, is obtained probably in, uh, in, in many ways. First, having a deep knowledge of my wine arts. And, uh, and I, as I said before, the soils. This al allows me to make uh, the favorite harvest according to the the, the vintage, uh, to, to the yields and the, to, to the product I want to obtain, uh, especially to wines to be aged for, for a long time. I, I also make an ample, an ample use of the, the fine lees and moose in order to preserve, protect and exalt uh, varietal aromas, thus obtaining uh, at the same time uh, fatness, balance, and thickness in wines. Uh, this is my passion, okay, to, to, to produce, a, 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 especially in, in uh, white wine, a, an aging uh, in, uh, in my production. Yeah, no, I, I can, obviously I could tell through the bottle, or taste through the bottle, your uh, the passion for it. And definitely, as you mentioned, there was this level of uh, viscosity and richness fatness, but at the same time, it was also on the other side that sapid and fairly clean and salivating, so it wasn't just like a sitting on the palate. Yeah, truly, truly a special wine. Uh, sadly enough, you know, your wines are not available here in Massachusetts, but hopefully uh, we can help out with that at some point, and hopefully beyond that. Uh, now, getting into Taurasi, so practically all these areas, they're next door to each other. You know, when it comes to Fiano di Avellino, Greco, and Taurasi, and they actually overlap in parts. Now, in Montemarano, you know, Taurasi, which is where you're located, um, in this uh, incredibly high elevation vineyards, I think your vineyards are roughly at 870 meters, and there you produce two Taurasi reservas, which is also quite unique. It seems like you don't make a regular bottling, you just make a Yannico, and then two Taurasi reserva. Uh, but most importantly, I discovered that you make the, the Taurasi called the Hamilton, Right. So when, uh, and my curiosity is when and how it started, and what does that wine actually mean to you? Why you named it Hamilton? Mm, okay. Okay. My, I think my, my brother and I have been working a collectible art calendar since uh, 2002. A project that has evolved a lot over time to, to become a, a sort of our own personal commitment to researching and uh, enhancing the stories and tradition that tie Naples to the rest of the world. Uh, in uh, 2050, uh, we gave a space to a, a little-known figure, the English ambassador Sir William Hamilton, who lived in Naples for more than 30 years until uh, the, the end of uh, 1700s. Sir William Hamilton uh, is the father of modern volcanology, 
as well as a collector of art and classical antiquities. He contributed uh, with his letters and books to increase the myth of Naples and Campania and make the Vesuvian area a favorite destination of Grand Tour. Uh, the, the calendar uh, was called a Grand Tour around Vesuvius, intended as a, a photographic guide through the most beautiful place uh, that the Campania region offers. Uh, we were so, so passionate about it, uh, that we decided to dedicate uh, a, a wine to Sir William Hamilton, uh, a, a wine which would be uh, the, the ambassador of a, of a piece of Campania history in, uh, in the world. And uh, what better wine can be an ambassador of the region, if not a Taurasi, the, the first one to receive the DOCG not, not only in Campania, but in the whole south of Italy. So, so we dedicate Taurasi for, uh, for Sir uh, William Hamilton. Taurasi is in, in itself an ambassador and uh, probably a forerunner. Okay? Hamilton Taurasi is produced in, uh, in a limited quantities, about, uh, about 4,000 bottles with our Aglianico di Montemarano and uh, only in the best vintage. Uh, together, together with Taurasi Riserva Vino Blue, with, with, uh, I co-produced with the Archaeological Museum of Naples, it's a part of the Vinidarte line, the two limited edition products that talk about arts and history in uh, my region in Campania. I love history and specifically history that is tied into wine and whatnot. It's, uh, it's, it's quite incredible. It sounds like a fantastic project. Quite amazing reading that you have been the pioneer of aging both Greco and Fiano, trying to showcase the full aging potential of these two varieties. I'm very intrigued by your collection of late releases Greco and Fianos. Why are you holding back so long? Territory uh, I'm exploring in the 90s, which I was the first uh, to enter, with, with curiosity, commitment, and uh, even a bit, a bit of madness. Uh, let's let's say it. Keep, keeping keeping in the cellar lots of wine, and I to be aged for years. That required nine, I. High level of risk, but I can assure the sacrifice and and, uh, and you know it's absolutely repaid repaid terms of the, the result. Limiting Greco and Fiano for me to, to the classic expression of vintage wine was a real sacrilege. Believe me, is uh, I, I am the first probably that start this uh, this adventure uh, at this moment. Beside Greco.
which ferments and age for one year put and then age for 10 years in steel tanks. And finally, Fiano di Avellino Erminia, the prototype and the highest limit of my research on Fiano. Uh, Fiano di Avellino Erminia is a wine aged in steel tanks and then in the bottle for many years, produced in a limited number of bottles. You know, that currently on the market there is the uh, 2003 vintage, uh, a wine dedicated not only the name to my sister Renin. Uh, so, a more personal question I had, I wanted to know where you studied enology, maybe because I, after so much passion I heard from your voice, I might go and sign up for that. Uh, but outside of that, who was a really an inspirational figure? Oh, thanks. This is more, 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 more interesting question. My, my enological education was initially done very close to home, uh, that is uh, at uh, the Neurological uh, Institute of Abelino, a real scientific center of reference in, uh, in those years. Uh, I grew up in family of uh, culture, construction, transportation, uh, and breeding. Uh, uh, we already have vineyards in Montemarano in South Siberia. And uh, since I was a child, I had a strong interest towards this world, rather than other fields uh, managed by my family. I think that there are two inspiring figures along my path. The first one is a, a farmers who used to manage our wines in Montemarano, Santuccio. The name of this man is Santuccio. When, when uh, we became friends, uh, he has already an old man, whereas uh, I was just a young boy, very intrigued and fascinated by his figure. By the way, he lived in the wine arts, by the way, he talked about grapes and wine. In the years to come, having perceived it, it seems very interesting me. With great passion, he tried to transfer all the basic knowledge from the wine arts to the cellar, and I keep an affectionate, a real uh, memory of him. Santuccio is a very important history for my life and for my profession. Another important figure of, of reference was surely Gennaro, Gennaro Martuscello, one of the founders of Grotta del Sole Winery, to whom his own had the merit of having given back prestige to Campania autochthonous wines, and David recovered to uh, cornerstones of Campania traditional uh, viticulture. Uh, when I was just a, a beginner, he was uh, my teacher in the field, uh, and the, beside that we had a, a sincere and strong uh, friendship. I think that these two men are probably 
the man that uh, give a, a most important, important inspiration uh, in, my, in my work, in my job. Your calendar has been a great work of art and culture connecting Naples history to other great world capitals. What city did you select for the 2021 and what ties it to Naples? Uh, the, the, the city chosen from this new edition calendar uh, is uh, Turin. After delving in, uh, into the, the, the ties between Naples and various European capitals since the last year, also due to the pandemic and the consequent difficult to moving, uh, we, we have uh, returned to Italy to explore the history that links Naples to the Florentine Renaissance. In uh, calendar 2022, on, on the other hand, the, the Neapolitan city with dialogue with the Savoy capital of the Sorgimento, two cities, both for foreign capitals uh, that have managed to change and react to loss of importance and centrality, always capable to revive different but yet continue with uh, their own traditions. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, both of you. That was awesome. So we're going to open up to the floor now if anybody has any questions. I think we've got Jacopo in line, and uh, we've got a lot of um, uh, Italian wine ambassadors here in the room as well. So uh, please take the opportunity to ask the questions. Ciao, Len. Hey, Laika. Ciao, Chilo. Ciao, Roberto. And I've got one question for Roberto, actually, about the wine styles. So um, I don't know whether Roberto has plans to expand the, um, his territory into other regions of Italy, because like, now everybody is talking about the trendy regions such as Etna. And have you ever thought about expanding into other regions of Italy for planting other new varieties, other native grape varieties? Or you want just to keep your focus and in the Campania region? Only, 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 only autochthonous uh, wine, only autochthonous wine, not from Etna. I guess Roberto is a Campanilista. He'll stick with, uh, he'll stick with, <laughs> with you. Yeah, uh, which makes sense. But yeah, no, I think in the case of Roberto, the question you asked, man, yeah, some producers do that, they migrate to other areas. Um, although it's mostly, I think, north and south, from what I see anyway, the commercial side. I think from south, migrating to north is not so much common. All right, so um, I, if we have no more questions, if there's anybody else, uh, speak now or forever hold your peace, because I will uh, go ahead and thank uh, Ciro and Roberto for, for uh, this amazing um, interview. And uh, Stevie, I don't know if you're still there. Come back. <laughs> Um, but um, yeah, no, I hope everything is, is great over there in New York. And um, from Laika and I, uh, we wish you um, the best. Uh, thank you for the interview and thank you everyone for listening. Of course, we'll be back next Thursday. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Bye, guys. Bye. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin. Thank you.